Hey, before we get started, I just wanted to remind everyone to, if you haven't already, fill out the end-of-season survey, which you can find in the description for this episode. Now, on to the episode. Hello, and welcome to the Alternate History Class. My name's Andrew, and here we explore alternate history through the lens of a history class from another timeline. Last week, we looked at the Christmas troops from this timeline. This week, we'll look at the Treaty of Charleston that would set the stage for the interwar period. Alright everyone, let's talk about the Treaty of Charleston. Now, the reason the treaty to end the Great War occurred in Charleston was because the U.S. wanted to truly humiliate the Confederacy the same way that the Prussians, when they formed the German Empire, formed their empire in Versailles as a slap in the face to the French. The U.S. wanted to have what they viewed as a new age of their prosperity and dominance in the Western Hemisphere be born in the same place that the Confederacy itself was born. Now, these discussions were tough. They were straightforward, however. Um, No one really wanted to keep fighting the war at this point, so those that were on the losing end really, you know, were very much willing to accept a good deal. Um, But even given that, the... U.S. and Germany and their allies were able to extract even more than they would normally had if the war hadn't been so brutal and so devastating for everyone's manpower and morale. You have to remember this war changed the way a lot of people viewed war before this war. Um, not that many people came home from war if they got severe injuries. They died, so there was this, still this mystique and glory uh, of war, of the battlefield. This thought that you know you went to war and war was a glorious thing. It's where you earned glory and honor and... You know, with their views on 
the world as well, viewing themselves as superior based on their race. Europeans didn't think they could fight a brutal and savage war. But it turns out when you're desperate for victory, when desperate in general, man can be man can be a very violent and uncivilized creature. But let's dive into what each nation got out of this treaty. The United States took Canada and the majority of the UK's territory in America. Uh, the only thing they didn't get was British Guiana, but that was a prearranged deal with the Germans. Uh, they got Maryland, D.C., as well as Kentucky and Sequoia from the Confederacy. And they got $10 billion in war reparations from the Confederacy. The war reparations were to obviously cover the cost of the war and the cost of veterans veterans societies and and health care after the war uh, but it was also there to to make the confederacy more reliant uh, on the US the germans took belgium and made it their puppet and they require and for this puppet they took the eastern parts of the country and Antwerp, uh, along with military and naval bases, and they gave it uh, iron ore mines at Brie and a coastal strip running between Dunkirk Boulogne-sur-Mer. The Germans also integrated Luxembourg uh, into the German Empire. And they took a good deal of land in Africa, uh, including the Belgian Congo, French Equatorial Africa, Uganda, Kenya, and Nigeria the last three being from the United Kingdom. Uh, and they formed Middle Africa, connecting most of their holdings uh, and forming that super colony that they had, they had been dreaming of and looking at making for, for decades at this point. They also formed German Guiana, uh, by taking French and British Guiana. They had their place in the sun, as it were. They also would take the French ports in India to give themselves trade bases over there and to further weaken the French. Austria-Hungary, for its part, 
retook the state of Veneto, which holds Venice, from Italy, as well as all of Italy's African holdings. They also took northern Serbia, and they puppeted what I'm going to call interior Romania, as we will see with Bulgaria. This Romania had no coastline. Uh, Bulgaria took that coastline, as, as we just mentioned, as well as annexing southern Serbia, as well as Montenegro. The Ottomans got some stuff out of this. They annexed Cyprus, Malta, the Sinai Peninsula, and the remainder of the UK's Arabian holdings. Very much strengthening their their position as the hegemon of power uh, in the Middle East and East Asia. Now, the end of this war saw a good number of new nations formed. A lot were formed due to deals made with locals or for their part uh, in fighting against the Entente. Uh, the first nation we'll mention here is the only new nation formed on North America, and that would be Quebec. Uh, while the U.S. took the rest of Canada, they had made deals with the government in what was at that time the province of Quebec to give them their independence, but considering the nation's size and location, they would become very much dependent on the U.S. and were essentially a puppet, but not not quite as their future actions will show. Another nation that was formed was Ireland. Now, you may remember the Irish uprising that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, This uh, new nation was formed from the island of Ireland and and was a predominantly Catholic nation. Many Scots, Irish, and, and English who lived uh, in Northern Ireland um, would end up moving out and Ireland would have an unfortunate streak of ethnic and religious violence in its Northern portions in its early years. The British lost several holdings in Africa, um, but they would also lose South Africa um, as for their aid in the in the fight against Britain, the the Boers uh, in South Africa were were given the colonial territory of South Africa uh, as their nation. Uh, it, this nation would tie itself very closely um, to Germany, as Germany 
had its large Middle Africa holdings and was a lot closer than the U.S. And really, it was Germany who prompted the Boers to rise up in the first place. Another African holding that the that the British lost was Egypt. Uh, Egypt was not something that the Ottomans wanted to hold directly, um, but they wanted to put a local Egyptian uh, puppet government in charge, and and so they did. So now while technically independent, they very much worked as a puppet uh, of the Ottomans um, and secured Ottoman control of the of the Suez. From Russia, several nations were formed. First one we'll mention here is Georgia um, was formed in the in the Caucasus. They broke away during the during the Russian Civil War, which we will dive into in the future. But uh, they were officially recognized in this treaty, uh, which had all major powers except for Russia because it was un. It wasn't clear who to invite from Russia, um, but this this would be a nation that both the Germans and Ottomans um, fought to 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 show their political dominance over. Uh, another one that was much more clearly uh, in the Ottoman sphere of influence was Azerbaijan. It was basically basically Georgia was the Christian uh, caucus nation. And Azerbaijan was the Muslim caucus nation. So there would be a great deal of, uh, of reshuffling, uh, as it were, uh, as neither great power really went in and did a deep dive into the on the ground to see where the best place to draw the border between these two caucus nations would be. Germany also carved out Poland, uh, the, the Duchy of Warsaw, as it was formerly known, um, but most people, even the Germans themselves, would just call it Poland. The Ukraine uh, was carved out into its own nation, simply called Ukraine. The Baltic territories of the Russian Empire were formed into uh, the Balkan Union state, which was clearly under German influence. Um, The independence of the Duchy of Finland uh, was also recognized, and it became very closely tied to Germany. And then there was the Tartar Republic um, that the, the Germans formed that mostly that was almost entirely upon the the Crimean Peninsula. Um, so as you can see, good deal of new nations. Uh, the maps very much needed to be updated after the end of the war. One... Uh, Further thing happened in a in, in a way to cut down Britain's colonial hegemony 
and hegemony over world affairs. British India, or some of you know it, the British Raj, uh, as well as Australia and New Zealand were to be given greater autonomy from Britain, although Britain was not requested to release them, uh, and they weren't given over to other nations. But as it stands, that is what the Treaty of Charleston would do now. Those of you who know where this is going know some of the the problems that will arise um, that, that come from this very treaty. But those of you who are astute may have noticed that since we talked about what they desired out of the out of the Great War, we have not spoken about any of the the Asian powers, the Chinese, the the Japanese. We have not mentioned them, and that's because your curriculum views that in that war, which lasted several more years after the end of the Great War. They view that war as a separate war and have us teach that as a separate thing, not something I agree with, but is something that we will touch on next time. And if we have time next time, we will also discuss the Russian Revolution and how that would end up playing out over the next several years. Thank you for listening to the Alternate History Class Podcast. If you'd like to give any feedback you have, feel free to reach out via Twitter at AltHisClassPod or email the show at AltHisClass at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe or follow the show on your preferred podcasting platform so you don't miss an episode when it goes live. If you are able want to help the show financially, you can support the show on Patreon. Just search for Alternate History Class or use the link in the description of this episode. If you can't support the show financially, that's fine. Feel free to share the show with someone you think will enjoy it. And finally, thank you for your most important contribution, your time. And I'll see you next time as we journey down the path not taken.